Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, a podcast presentation of Cadence 13 in association with Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. This is an episode-by-episode look at the award-winning TV show Friday Night Lights created by Peter Berg. I'm Stacey Oristano. I play Mindy Collette Riggins. And I'm Derek Phillips, and I play Billy Riggins. The assumption, as always, is that you, our listeners, have already watched the show. But if you haven't already, go watch Friday Night Lights, which is currently streaming on Netflix and Peacock TV, because there will be spoilers in our podcast. Guys, check out the merch. That's right. We've got merchandise. We've got a website designed by Eleanor Carez, who is at Eleanor Carez on Instagram. Our website is www.cleareyesfullheartspod.com. Once again, that's cleareyesfullheartspod.com. And we still want to answer your fan questions. Email us anything you'd like to know at cleareyesfullheartspod at gmail.com today. We're at season three, episode two, Tammy Knows Best, written by Liz Heldens, directed by Jeffrey Reiner. The NBC synopsis reads... Coach Taylor prepares Smash for a college tryout. Tammy makes a controversial change to the school budget, and Matt meets with his estranged mother. We have got a ton to cover in this episode, but first, we're going to answer some fan questions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our first question comes from Elena from New Hampshire. She says, I am an avid fan of both Friday Night Lights and One Tree Hill and have noticed a lot of casting overlap. In the recent Seeing Other People podcast, Derek mentioned that this is the last one we see of Austin Nichols, who plays Noah. Austin Nichols left Friday Night Lights in 2007 and joined One Tree Hill in 2008. Jana Kramer also left Friday Night Lights in 2008 and joined One Tree Hill in 2009. Finally, Daniela Alonzo, who played Carlotta, started on One Tree Hill in 04 and 05 before joining Friday Night Lights in 07. Have you noticed in other projects that you've worked on that there's been a lot of casting overlap with specific shows? Stacey? I mean, the first one that comes to mind is Grey's Anatomy, but I think that's all due to Linda Lowy being the casting director for both lots of Friday Night Lights people on Grey's. And also, especially as of a couple of weeks ago, Law and Order SVU, that writer's room loves Friday Night Lights. We've had Joey, Gaius, Zach's been on there twice, Scott Porter, you, like a ton of FNL people go to SVU. I mean, to be honest with you, I was looking at this the other day. I've done close to 40 television shows at this point in time in my career. Oh, we get it. You work. That's not my point. My point is (laughs) that out of the 40 television shows that I've worked on, I've probably only worked with like eight or nine different casting directors. 
I think what happens, guys, is that you've got casting directors that like you and they wind up casting you in three or four different shows. With regards to One Tree Hill and Friday Night Lights and all that crossover, I mean, I think just maybe the concept of the show, one's about a high school basketball team, the other one's about a high school football team. I think that in and of itself lends itself to some crossover because there's a lot of similarities. Yeah, and that age range yeah. being And they similar. were both on at the same time. That might be one of the reasons there. But obviously, as Stacey was saying before, if you watch a show like Grey's Anatomy, the casting director on Grey's Anatomy was Linda Lowy. Linda Lowy was also the head casting director on Friday Night Lights. So I did Grey's Anatomy. Stacey did Grey's Anatomy. Asha Davis, Kevin Rankin, Jesse, Jesse Clemens, Gaius. Oh, Gaius was on for a while. Yeah, Gaius was a series regular on there for mm-hmm. a while. Kyle Chandler. Can we just have a minute for Kyle Chandler on Grey's Anatomy? Oh, that bomb squad. Every girl's like dream. He was dreamy. But Grey's Anatomy, private practice, every show that Linda Lowy cast. Parenthood, obviously. There were always a bunch of Friday Night Lights crossovers. So a lot of it has to do with casting, to be honest with you. A lot of it, I think like SVU too, is just because they like the show. Like Parks and Rec, mm-hmm. the writer's room loved Friday Night Lights. They even talk about us a lot on the show. So they got Brad to come play a, what was he? Running for state council, I think, or something. Yeah, I th- yeah he was a congressman or a senator from yeah. the state of Texas or something. I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, something. Okay. I hope that helps. That's, I know, does it? I don't know if we answered that at all. Maybe we did. The second question comes from Patrick Sarkis in Sydney, Australia. Patrick says, we've all found ourselves working at a Buddy Motors at our lowest points. True. On a scale of Santiago to point system Annabelle, how would Billy and Mindy do as car salespeople? My sales figures are probably and disappointingly somewhere below Mr. Saracen. <sighs> I think we learned pretty early on in season one that Billy was actually working as a salesman selling drills, like oil drills, and obviously was not very good at it and got fired and had to sell weed on the side and was doing a lot of different shady stuff. And in this episode, or not this episode, I guess next episode, Billy starts doing some shady stuff. What? But yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. Spoiler hmm. alert, next Ooh. episode. I don't think Billy was a very good salesman. I think that's part of the reason why he's always having to have these side jobs doing illegal activities. Listen, if it was me, I would be terrible. I had a telemarketing job once during the summer when I was in college. I lasted one day. I cried the entire time when everybody kept telling me no, and I never went back. So Stacy would be awful. Mindy's a hustler though. Yeah. I think she would be one of those car salesmen that you hate though. That's so in your face and so aggressive until you buy it. Yeah. But maybe that works. I think yeah. she might do okay. I've definitely had saleswomen in my life, like especially in clothing stores. I think Mindy could possibly be like that person who like when you get in the car, they're like, you look really good in that car. You know, and they kind of play <laughs> up that sexuality thing. Because mm-hmm. I've definitely, I mean, I have a jacket that I bought. It's still hanging in my closet. I don't think I've ever worn the thing. I bought it like 16 years ago. And I spent like close to $400 on it. I don't spend $400 on jackets. That's not who I am. And I bought this jacket strictly because the saleswoman told me that I look good in it in the store. And I got it home and I was like, I don't look good in this. I look ridiculous in this. Why did I buy this? You can return things, Derek. No, I couldn't. Because then I would be embarrassed in front of the saleswoman. That's why Mindy, I think, would be good at selling cars. Some guy would buy some car and his wife would be like, what the hell were you thinking buying a $60,000 Corvette? Not worried about Mindy. Mindy's fine. She'll be fine no matter what it is. Billy, not so much. But that's Mm. why they work as a couple because they're opposites. All right. Our final question comes from Chevy Ridge, who asks, why do producers, directors, writers, et cetera, in this day and time find it necessary to curse? This is the reason we loved Longmire and FNL. 
Very rarely did you hear vulgar language other than damn or hell. There are so many shows out there right now that I cannot stand to watch because the language is horrible. I can tell you a little bit about what is regulated and what is not. So we are governed by the FCC, the Federal Communication Commission, which basically tells us what we can and can't say. Their biggest rule is that indecent and profane content are prohibited between 6 a.m. and 10 p.m. And this is only on network and broadcast TV because streaming and cable services don't fall under that jurisdiction because they're subscription-based. So they have different rules and they can cuss and do a lot more than we can on network TV. Shakespeare always said that art should hold a mirror up to nature. And I kind of agree with that in some respects. I get where you're coming from, Chevy. There's still plenty of stuff on network television, I think, that, as Stacy said, because of the FCC, that you can watch that doesn't have cursing and doesn't have language in it. But I also, me personally, and trust me, there's stuff that even crosses a line with me sometimes where I'm like, oh, that's a little too much for me. Not so much with the cursing, but with violence or whatever. I do think that there is a place for adult storytelling and the world isn't a pretty place. There's awful things that happen in the world. And I think that it's our obligation as artists and as actors to try and tell those stories too, because there's truth in that as well. I don't know that we got to roll around and glorify it, violence and sex and all the other stuff. But I do think that there is a place for adult storytelling. It makes me think of, I was on a show called Bunheads and we were on ABC Family and the show was just sweet and wholesome and funny and quirky. And it just didn't fit into where it was in ABC Family because that's when the lying game and pretty little liars and all those things are out. And you had a bunch of teens walking around being really sexual and murdering people. And like our girls did ballet. So it was just like too clean. (laughs) I don't know. It's on Hulu if you want to watch it. (laughs) I think there's a place for all of it, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm the guy who loved Game of Thrones, but also loves the boys, which is ridiculous, but then also loves Ted Lasso. And Ted Lasso's pretty wholesome. Although Ted Lasso's got some language. I forget about that sometimes. A little. It's got a lot, actually. See, my stepmom, she is not a big fan of language and and sex and violence and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I remember being home over Christmas, I guess it was maybe two years ago, and I was like, Dad, you got to watch the show. I think you'll love it. And from my standpoint, because language doesn't really have an effect on me in terms of like F-bombs, yeah. and I don't even think about it. But watching it with my dad, I was like, oh, they actually do drop a lot of F-bombs. They talk about a lot of stuff sexually on Ted Lasso. but Oh, they do. Yeah, but I didn't think about it until I was watching it in front of my mom. And then I was yeah. like, oh, this is a lot more risque than I thought it was. Yeah. But I also think maybe it's a generational thing, too. I it mean, is. my generation, I feel like everything culturally, whether it was MTV or the songs that we listened to, it was pretty graphic. And so I think we're just accustomed to it. Your safest place is going to be network broadcast TV between the hours of 6 a.m. and 10 p.m. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we know. But I think that's why, Chevy, 100%, I think that there's stories that need to be told that don't have all that. And I still think that there's plenty of product out there for people that are looking for that. Yeah, you got to search for it a little bit. It's there. Yeah. Well, I hope that helps out a little bit. I don't know about mm-hmm. you, Stacy, but I'm ready to jump into this episode. we got a lot to cover. And here we go. Tim Riggins is going to college, maybe? (laughs) It appears that that's where they're trying to drive some storyline. And Billy, it appears, is very, very excited about this. Definitely has his hopes up that Tim is going to go into college. You could see the little light in his eyes. It's like he's got the prize-winning calf here. (laughs) It surprised me. Yeah. I 
love that Tammy has taken to calling it a scoreboard and not a jumbotron. It feels like a little dig to everybody on the other side. Yeah. I think we spoke about this in the previous episode, but with her being a principal now, there's going to be trouble brewing with Tammy and coach about the money that's allocated to the Mm -hmm. football program. She also, at the start of this episode, is seen doing an interview with a reporter from the Dillon Daily Times. And of course, it backfires on her when the article comes out and the headline reads, new principal vows to shake up establishment. There's a picture actually of Tammy and coach both on the front of the newspaper looking angry at each other, ready to fight. And this is like, I mean, it's devil town. We've talked about it. This is why it's a devil town. So now they've basically got the whole entire town picking a side on Tammy's side or on Coach's side. Not the coach has a side. Everybody's on side Jumbotron except for Tammy. Well, that's yes. not true. The teachers want the money. Yeah. Meanwhile, I got to tell you, watching these scenes with Smash refusing to cut hard on that knee after he's had surgery, it takes me back to high school. I wasn't nearly the athlete that Smash was, mm-hmm. but my senior year of football, I broke my ankle in two places. Hey. And I was out of commission in a cast for nearly a month. But even after the cast came off and my ankle was healed, I couldn't get over the mental aspect Mm -hmm. of it. Like I was afraid to plant my foot and go. And like sometimes the mental part of getting over an injury can be worse than the actual injury itself. I also love that this scene ends with Mac McGill and he's talking to Eric and he's asking, is there trouble with Smash? And he goes, well, it's not exactly the right time for setting up a walk-on now, is it? And this is exactly what I was talking about in the last episode. This town chews these kids up and it spits him out. And as far as Mac McGill is concerned, Smash no longer has any value. Yeah, he's, he's not gone. on the team. He's graduated and he's not playing mm-hmm. football at some big D1 school. So why is Coach Taylor wasting his time on him? It's a devil town, Stacey. Derek, would you call it a devil town? Yes. Oh, okay. Cool, cool. I would say that this town is a devil town. I was just checking. <laughs> I am smelling a tiny bit of corruption in Dylan. It seems to me Mayor Riddell. Yes. I get it confused because Rydell is the high school in Greece, and yes. it makes me think that. I figured that's why you were having trouble with it. I can't wrap my head around a mayor not wanting money allocated towards enough teachers in her school and textbooks for kids. It is bonkers to me. Can you wrap your head around this? It's a devil town, Stacey. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. <laughs> I'm just going to set them up and you just knock them uh, down. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. The town is obsessed with football. It's a devil town. Meanwhile, Buddy Garrity lets Lila know that he's not a fan of her dating Tim Riggins and he calls him white trash. And while he might be correct, I couldn't help but be a little offended hearing it out loud. Screw you, Buddy Garrity. Pause. Yes. Do you remember who else called us white trash? Amy Poehler called us Amy white trash. Amy Poehler called our family trash on Parks and Rec. It is my favorite thing that's ever happened in the whole wide world. Yeah, on Parks and Recreation, the NBC TV show. She says, that family's trash. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. I've been a big fan of Buddy Garrity's on this show. And mm-hmm. then he turns around and calls the Riggins family white trash. I don't like it. But it might just be Tim. I don't know if it's both of you. If Tim's white trash, Billy is definitely white trash. Yeah, I mean, you're right. And that makes you white trash because you're marrying white trash. That was never in question, though. <laughs> <laughs> of course I am. We immediately cut to Tammy and Coach lying in bed talking about the whole situation with Buddy and Mayor Riddell regarding the Jumbotron. And Tammy asking, so what do you think I should do? And there's dead silence between the two of them. And then we hear Gracie Bell start crying off screen. And Coach immediately pops out of bed and says, eh, uh, I'll get it. So he's avoiding this whole entire conversation with Tammy. Derek, one could even say he was saved by the Gracie Bell. Good night, folks. Oh, boy. That's all for me. 
That was a dad joke. A devil town. Go, 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 go. <laughs> I have to say, well, it's too much. It's too much for a 17-year-old to handle. Matt Saracen, it seemed for a minute he had a little bit of respite, but he doesn't anymore. Why is no one helping him? In these scenes now with Grandma, I almost miss Carlotta because at least Matt had comfort and solace in knowing she was taken care of while he was at school. You know who else misses Carlotta? Probably a lot of people. Me. Do you? I miss Carlotta. Yeah, I get that. Oh, yeah. oh my God. Move away from the microphone, you creepy. Oh, yeah. Creepy I miss Car- what? What did I say? I will say something, though. At the end of this, we see Matt kind of losing it outside the Applebee's, and then Julie comes outside. We didn't know Julie was working at Applebee's. We find out now that Julie's working at Applebee's. I'm digging this little Matt and Julie flirtation thing that's going on. Did not make me mad. Didn't make you mad, right? Right. I mean, I like these two together. Yeah, me too. Julie drives me nuts occasionally, but I like the two of them together. You know who else I miss, Stacey? Who do you miss? Carlotta. Oh my God, I can't take it. You, you guys, if you can see, Derek's mustache is back with like a vengeance and he gets yeah. really close to the microphone. So it's only like a half stash that I get. And then just right into- You hear that? Oh God, right into my headphones. That stash on the microphone. Oh. You guys, I used to have to kiss that all the time. All right. Now that we've lost all of the listeners on this episode. I don't remember filming this scene in my house at all. I don't remember the storyline of Tyra using dancers. I honestly had a moment of like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? I literally don't remember this at all. It's okay because the first scene in this episode where I walk in and Tim's in bed with Lila, I do not remember shooting that scene. Isn't that crazy? I thought I remembered everything. I remember our stuff later. I remember the pigeon and I remember our stuff when he comes home. Yeah, I remember that. And that would have been the same week that I shot this scene that I don't remember. Sorry, guys. That's all I got to say about that scene. (laughs) I will say, though, that when they do go to the high school and Tyra is doing her whole thing, the vice principal comes out and says, you know, you and these four dancers from the landing strip. And I'm thinking, how do you know those are four dancers from the landing strip? Mm. It seems to me the vice principal might spend some time at my place of work. You think old VP Trucks is heading to the landing strip right after school lets out? Maybe. Definitely possible. Possible, definitely possible. possible. It seems to me as if Smash got himself a case of the yips. This is true. Here's a question, Stacy. How the hell do you know what the yips are? Don't you know who my dad is? Yeah, I know, but you have selective memory sometimes about the things you remember <laughs> from sports and things you don't. Because you'll be like, sometimes you'll go, oh, I don't get it, sports ball. And I'm like, you know more about it. Like, you play down to it. I absolutely play down to it because I'm tired of it. Football has been a part of my life since I was born. So, guys, my dad did play-by-play for the Cowboys. I used to go to the games with him. I would chart the plays for him and pick the plays to be put on the highlights reel. I actually know a lot about football. I know the game very well. I've seen some people get some yips. Here's the thing too. For those of you at home that don't know what the yips is, yips a lot of times is referred to as like a baseball thing when a guy starts, like he he starts making errors all the time and he, or he can't throw the ball anymore. Like all of a sudden he's got like a mental block. And that's kind of what I think Smash has going on right now. Mm -hmm. Like there was an action he used to be able to perform without any problems. And now mentally he's got a block there and he's not relying on the strength of his knee. He's afraid of getting hit. He's afraid of making any kind of hard cut on that knee. So he's got a mental block preventing him from doing this action that he used to be able to complete all the time. You want me to tell you something truthful and vulnerable? Yes. 
I got myself a little case of the yips right now. With what? My singing voice isn't quite where I want it to be. And so I find I get scared while I'm doing it and I don't try like I should. Yeah. I'm working on it, guys. I'm working on it. I have a vocal coach and everything, but yeah. That's scary. I got me some singing yips. I don't sing. So I've never had that experience, but I had stage fright one time in my life. I was doing a soap opera in New York. It was one of the first gigs I'd had as an actor on camera. And I remember I screwed up a line on set. I'd never had stage fright before this. I had nerves. You know what I mean? Like it's different, but stage fright to the point where I couldn't talk. I couldn't, Mm. I I couldn't get saliva in my mouth and my heart was. And what happened is I screwed up a line working on this soap opera years and years ago. And I heard one of the crew guys go, it made me like freak out. I I started getting nervous because I couldn't remember the line. And then my heart started racing. As I said, I couldn't get saliva and I was freaking out. Out. You know what else happened on that day? You know who Tom Wopat is? Oh, yes. From Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, he does a lot of Broadway. So he was in this scene, okay? And mm-hmm. he said to the other actor that was in the scene with me, he goes, Could they have hired a shorter guy to play the security guard? Oh, well, that's where it came from. Did one of the Duke brothers just take a gigantic oh, dump on me? I was Duke brothers. And that hurt a lot because I was a big Dukes of Hazard fan when I was a kid. That is stinky. Yeah. Screw you, Tom Wopat. Stinky way to start your day. That was a stinky way to start my day. It was a stinky way to start that episode. That's so weird. And I don't like to use this opportunity on this show to talk smack about people, but that threw me. I'm sure Tom Wopat was sitting there afterwards going, that guy can't act. Oh, oh, and he's terrible <laughs> and can't remember his one line. <laughs> he can't speak. <laughs> it was more than one line. Come on. Oh, I know, but it was under five. Okay, yes. let's go. Moving on. I need to be real, real honest this episode. I'm feeling a little vulnerable here with you guys. This Tyra running for president thing, I love the idea of her running for president. She does need more stuff on her resume. She's going to play for college. I hate the way she's doing it. I hate the look that she gave me that gave her some sort of idea I hate that she's using her sexuality at all to go ahead in the polls, whatever it is. It's backwards movement for Tyra, who has come so far. It's backwards movement for women who have come so far. And it's very cringy to me. Yeah. (laughs) You're right. You're 100% right. It's your perspective on watching it. And mine was like, oh, yeah, sweet strippers. (laughs) That's the angle I was coming at when I watched it. But you're right. I do wonder the logistics of it, though. Like, I don't think it's illegal for them to be dancing outside of a school. Do you know what I mean? No, and it made me giggle and it made me think, yeah, Tyra, ha, 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 she's probably going to win just on that platform alone. And then when they had the student assembly with the two people running for president. Oh, yeah, she doubles down. Yeah, and she doubles down and says, do you really want this chick to be your president? No one's going to get laid at prom. And like all the kids start cheering. and Makes me mad. I don't like it. It made me laugh. But in hindsight, now I feel bad for laughing because I think you're right. I think, yes, with Tyra, it seems like it's two steps forward, one step back. And I can tell you who definitely doesn't like it, mm-hmm. besides you, is Tammy. Mm-hmm. I did find that out later. It made me very happy. Yeah. Okay, Stacey, Garrett. are you ready to fight me? Uh, you want to get in a big fight in front of all the listeners on this show? Sure. I think Uh-oh. that Coach is right about this whole Jumbotron fiasco. Now, while I get it that the boosters should be putting money towards books and teaching supplies, it is their money, and they should be able to spend it however they want. Okay, are you ready for me to fight with you? Yes. I agree with you. Oh, well, that's no fun. I'm sorry. I thought we were going to get in a big 
big fight. Listen, I want the money to go towards textbooks and teachers, but I do think if you are a booster club of the football team, you get to say where your money goes. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I think that's the way it goes. Well, now I'm going to argue with you on a different note, but doesn't Tammy have the right as the principal of the school to say, we don't want your Jumbotron? Apparently, yes, she did. She found a loophole where she can use that money how she wants, but then Buddy found a way to freeze it. So like, listen, if they want their Jumbotron, get their Jumbotron, but also give like 10% extra towards pencils <laughs> or, <Right>. or whatever. <laughs> I mean, that would be the good thing to do. Or you something. Know? I mean, we kind of dealt with that in the high school that I went to too. I mean, it was like a major league baseball team. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like we had kids flying in from all over the country to go to school at my high school and our facilities on the baseball field, freaking amazing. Division one, major league baseball style field. Mm -hmm. And the school was great. We weren't really lacking for a lot of stuff, but definitely wasn't up to the caliber of like the baseball field. See, it seems like education should be first, but 100%. it's not, is it? I mean, you should have seen like programs that the baseball team had. Baseball team had three or four different types of uniforms. Baseball team had professional mm -hmm. field. Baseball team had high gloss programs. And like, we didn't have that for any other sport except for baseball. Hmm. So it wasn't so much like the educational aspect of things. But when I go back and look at it, yeah, we didn't have any of that stuff in like the classrooms. Did you have a Jumbotron? No, <laughs> we did not have a Jumbotron. One of the fields we played at did. It was giant. Yeah. But I mean, it's Texas. What are you going to do? Yes. What's next is something that excites my heart and my soul and my head. You guys, it's Kim freaking Dickens <laughs> on our show, who I first fell in love with in Deadwood, but yep. then Treme lost Walking Dead. She also has this crazy cool like comedy band. You guys, she's funky and cool, and I dig her so, 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 so much. She's super cool. Kim Dickens is also really, really good friends with my friend Catherine Kendall, and about 12 or 13 years ago, actually longer than that, probably about <laughs> 16 years ago, I wound up having an audition for a David Milch pilot. David Milch is the writer of Deadwood and Kim Dickens because she was on Deadwood for so many years. Catherine called her on the phone and said, hey, my friend Derek's got an audition for one of David Milch's new shows. Would you mind coaching him through it? And so Kim and I wound up working together on the scene before Kim was ever on Friday Night Lights. That's so nice that she did that. She's awesome. She's super cool people. I'm going to try my best to get her on the show. She's awesome. She's a ridiculously talented actress uh, and just cool across the board. But yeah, Kim helped me out with this audition. I didn't wind up getting the job. You know who wound up getting the job? Kevin Rankin? Yeah. Shut up. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Yeah. That's amazing. It was a pilot called Last of the Night that didn't wind up going. Listen, it was either you or Kevin Rankin. Stupid Kevin Rankin got the job. I hate it. Oh, that guy. Okay, I just, I knew she was coming. I knew she was on our show, seeing her heart. She also just has the loveliest, most musical voice. It's so calming and soothing. I could watch her for hours do anything. I love her. I'm moving on. I'm not going to move on quite yet because there's one oh, thing great. I do want to say. I'll there's talk about Kim. <laughs> there is something about Kim that I really love and, and find fascinating as an actor is, I mean, everything is very low-key. So chill. Yeah. And one of the things that we talked about when I actually auditioned for that David Milch show, and I remember specifically her saying everything with Milch is subtext. And with her on camera, everything is subtext. There's not a lot of outward stuff going on. It's everything that's underneath it. And so she's really a fascinating actor to watch. 
because the stakes are still so high, but she still does underplay it, but you still get mm-hmm. the importance of it. God, yeah. she's so good. She's good. And I'm one That's of those people, great. you know, I used to have a teacher in college who said, you know, you don't always need a bazooka to kill a fly because that's kind of how I approach every scene. I'm always, you know, yeah. I'm going to show you. Yeah. I need to act. I want to show you I'm acting. <laughs> and sometimes subtlety works just as well. Sometimes subtlety doesn't work just as well. Have I told this story? I'm going to tell an audition story. Please. There was a show when I was in LA. It was one of those they, like procedurals you get called in for it and called in game for. So it was like my 12th audition. And I really wanted this one. And I was like, I'm going to do something different. You guys know West Wing is my favorite show. So I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to Toby Ziegler this. This character and here are a little similar. So I like studied Richard Sith as Toby Ziegler and I did the scenes just as my interpretation of Toby. The casting directors called my agent and said, yeah, wow, Stacy really just phoned this one in. And I was like, oh no, no, I was doing everything. But that is not a look on me that works. So I yeah. can't, I can't do that. It's tough if a casting director has a preconceived notion of what you do. You know what I mean? And if you change that all of a sudden, it's like, well, that's not the quality that we wanted originally. Mm-hmm doesn't necessarily mean that you were bad. It's just, it's different than what they thought that they were going to get. You Phoned know? it in when I did so much work. You guys, I never got called in again. It's like back in the day. It's when you go to drink a glass of water and you realize it's vodka. Sure. It's like that. I have to say, we talked about it before, but I got very happy that Tammy agrees with me about the way that Tyra went about this. Her words were harsh. Yeah. But maybe necessary harsh? I, I think I it was know. totally necessary now that I'm on you know the same page with you guys. Yeah, but she totally drops the hammer on her in this scene. It it's, I mean, it was intense. Mm-hmm. I don't think I was expecting that. I don't think I was either, especially from her. But it really showed how much she loves this girl. It's that whole thing where it's like, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. She was real disappointed. Yes. Another actress that is probably going to be familiar to everybody shows up on our show, Janine Turner, who most people know as Maggie from Northern Exposure, which she did for years and years and years and years. Yeah, very talented actress. Janine Turner also right up there with Carlotta in terms of hot ladies on Friday Night Lights in my She's real pretty. She's gorgeous and super talented. So talented. So the scene that we meet Janine Turner in is also the scene where Tim is at the restaurant. And this scene, uh, it's like a knife in the heart. I hate watching it because I think I've discussed this before. You know, I don't think we were Billy Riggins poor when I was growing up or Riggins family poor when I was growing up, but we didn't go to fancy restaurants and we didn't eat out in nice places. Mm -hmm. And there was definitely a part, and probably still is to this day, part of me that feels a little like uncomfortable in situations like that, going to really fancy restaurants. I'm actually wearing a Martha's Vineyard t-shirt right now. And I remember being in Martha's Vineyard a few years back with a friend of mine and just feeling very out of place Mm -hmm. because you're with a lot of people that have a lot of money. They're like, oh, so do you summer here often? And I'm like, I don't summer. I've never summered before. (laughs) Is that a verb? Cool. Yeah. But yeah, I remember moments like that. Specifically, I remember being in New York one time and I was eating at this real fancy restaurant. I was on a date with a girl at a place that I really couldn't afford. The menu came out and they had all the prices everything on the right. I thought that that was the number of what you were supposed to order. So I said, I'll get a number 33. Derek, stop it. Excuse me? I said, I'll get a 33. The waiter's like, I don't know what you... I said, the 33, I'll get the number 33. And he goes, oh, that's $33, sir. I was like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, uh, that, 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 then I'll get that. Oh, in that case, I'll get the number six. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> In hindsight. So watching this scene with Tim and he orders a squab and he doesn't know what a squab is. And so he asks for it. Do you rare. know what squab actually is? It's bird of some kind, right? It's, it's like a, pigeon, but it is, is it a actual baby pigeon. pigeon. It's a f- less than four week old baby pigeon. I did not know. That. Why is that a fancy food? I don't know. Oof. But then he orders it rare, which you would never do, obviously. Well, there's no way. Like, legally, they wouldn't cook it like that. No. I think they were placating. Yeah. God Oof. bless. But yeah, those moments like that, it's just like nails on a chalkboard. It's, it's awkward. So and cringe. It's so uh, cringe. Cringy. Is yeah. this $400 jacket that you bought when, like, Tim is wearing in this scene? It was actually a beige jacket, the jacket huh. that I bought. It's still in my closet. It doesn't even fit me right. It's like... I'm going to need to see it's it. It's awful looking. Anyway, smash A&M. It's happening. Well, a walk-on's happening. Yeah. He's got an opportunity to basically try out for the team. You know, this is just one of those great Friday Night Lights moments as coach is walking away from the house. I'm not going to lie. I started to well up thinking mm-hmm. it's happening. I think the biggest thing is hearing Mama Smash reaction yeah. to it when she starts screaming the in the screams background. screams from inside the house. Yeah. And coach being able to deliver that good news. It's always nice on this show. We have so many instances where our characters are getting beat up mm-hmm. mentally and physically in the show. It's always nice to just have a win. And this feels like a win. This feels like a Celebrate win. Celebrate the wins, man. <laughs> Coach Taylor doesn't get a lot of those. He may win on the field, but there's always a consequence to it. He does not. I do want to say that when Tim comes back to the Riggins house in this scene, Stacy and I are off camera, supposed to be having sex. Tyra's in there waiting for us to get done. Just nice of her. She has no choice. She doesn't have a car, I don't think. (laughs) So she's basically stuck with her big sister on the couch of the Riggins house. And Tim comes home and he tells her all about how awful his evening was. And it was Taylor Kitch's idea to take his pants off in that scene. So funny. But I get it. It fit. It's not just, I'm going to take my pants right, off but, just to take uh, my this pants The first off. thing I do when I get home is put on my comfy pants. Yeah. Especially when you're wearing something that you don't like. I mean, mm-hmm. I have auditions all the time where I have to wear a suit. And the minute I'm done with the suit, off. or like, so we have to do slates nowadays. So we have to do like a full body slate. So I'll be in a full suit. And the minute I've slated, I'm now in my underwear. And I'm usually doing the scene for the rest of it in a pair of shorts with a suit top. On. Absolutely. Your Zoom costume. Guys, a slate really yeah. fast is just where we say our name, our height, and what city we're in for the yeah. casting director. But yeah, I mean, the minute I'm done with the slate, I am in my underwear if it's just me. Pants off. Pants off immediately. So I thought it was a cool little moment where he's got the pants off. Plus, it added like this whole other element of tension to the scene that was already there because Tim is on the couch with Tyra, his ex girlfriend, in his house mm-hmm. when Lila comes over. But now Lila comes over and Tim's in his underwear on the couch with his ex-girlfriend, yeah. which just raises the stakes. And that's what we love to do on Friday Night Lights is raise the stakes. And I thought yes. it was really well played by Minka because mm-hmm. Minka comes into the scene and she just plays with it. Mm-hmm. She plays with the fact that his pants are off and doesn't let it throw her and just keeps going. Keeps going straight face, plays the it action scene. Good. I could tell their little breakup in the car. I was like, oh, you're being emotional teenagers. You guys love each other. This isn't a breakup. And then when she came to the door, I was like, haha, I was right. But it was actually very sweet that she brought him burger and fries because like he didn't get to eat at dinner and she enters. I actually thought that gesture was really very cute. I'm pretty sure I improved a moment in that scene where I reached into the bag and grabbed the burger, but I'm pretty sure they cut that. Oh, I don't remember that. And if I didn't, I remember watching it going, I should have reached in that bag and grabbed the burger. You guys, what Derek and I did have to do is a little off camera. Oh, God. 
They yeah. just wanted the sounds of what would be happening in the bedroom, and they had us bang a dresser against a wall. Yeah. That was yeah. a thing that happened. And <laughs> so I don't cheap. think they used any of our love. But we did it for a long time. <laughs> Stupid. Sometimes our jobs are very stupid. There's a lot of times where at 46 years old, especially, I sit there going, what What am I doing? The strangest <laughs> job. And if some of my friends from like high school could see what I'm doing, they're like, what? 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 Yeah. Doesn't make sense. I love it, but it is crazy sometimes. Especially when you like do mocap stuff. Like, what yes. are you doing? Meanwhile, the episode ends with a little Matt and Julie potentially getting back together here. So I'm all for it. I'm digging it. I hope that that's the case. I'm 80% for it. I need actions, not words. What's the 20% that you don't like, Sticks? Julie's with a butthead. Yeah. So Julie needs to prove that she's not a butthead. I agree. I agree. Is I'll that- give you that. All right, kids. Well, that is the end of season three, episode two. But join us next time for season three, episode three, which is how the other half lives. But until then, clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't and- lose. Clear Eyes, Full Hearts is a podcast presentation of Cadence 13 in association with Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. Executive producers are Stacey Oristano and Derek Phillips, Chris and Mandy Wimmer for Black Barrel Media, and Steve Walters for Ritual Productions. Our producer is Miranda Parham. Send your questions to clearEyesFullHeartsPod at gmail.com. Find us on social media. I'm Stacey Oristano on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at Derek Phillips on Twitter and underscore Derek Phillips on Instagram. And check out our websites, ClearEyesFullHeartsPod.com, Cadence13.com, and BlackBarrelMedia.com. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week.